Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cracking Addiction. My name is Philippe Naren, and I'm joined, as always, by Dr. Fergal Armstrong. In the episode of Cracking Addiction today, we're going to be talking about Suboxone. So Suboxone is another form of opioid substitution therapy that we use to treat patients with opioid use disorder. It's a sublingual film, which is a combination of buprenorphine and naloxone. And it comes in two common strengths, a two milligram buprenorphine, half a milligram naloxone strength, and an eight milligram buprenorphine, two milligram naloxone strength. And if it's used correctly, suboxone equals buprenorphine. And Fergal, I think you know where I'm going with this, but what does use correctly uh, equals <laughs> buprenorphine mean for suboxone? All right. So firstly, I think you need to understand the journey of both components of suboxone from, the, uh, from sublingual administration. So when naloxone is administered sublingually, it is not absorbed. It then gets swallowed and then is absorbed in the gastrointestinal tract and then heads to the liver in the portal circulation. <clears throat> and it is there in the liver that it is metabolized. And so there theoretically is no naloxone that ends up in the systemic circulation. So the theoretical bioavailability of naloxone is zero. Now compare that with uh, the buprenorphine. So buprenorphine is absorbed sub sublingually and enters the, directly the systemic circulation from the venous uh, circulation in the mouth and then goes straight to the heart and therefore the rest of the systemic circulation. If suboxone, if buprenorphine is administered, uh, if, if buprenorphine is swallowed, it then gets absorbed in the gastrointestinal tract and then goes to the portal circulation and is metabolized. So theoretically, with the sublingual administration of both of these products, you get direct absorption of the buprenorphine sublingually into the systemic circulation. You swallow the naloxone and then it gets completely metabolized by the liver. And so that's why you're able to deliver naloxone in combination with buprenorphine, but actually only buprenorphine gets to the systemic circulation. Now that's all well and dandy, but there's a couple of caveats to that. So firstly, what happens if you've got severe liver disease? Then you get something called naloxone escape. And so, you know, the liver doesn't work as well. And so you end up getting naloxone being swallowed, being absorbed into the portal circulation and then escaping the liver metabolism and entering into the systemic circulation where it can indeed induce a precipitated withdrawal. The next question then becomes, well, what's the point of having naloxone in with buprenorphine? And, and so, um, Philippe, would you be able to explain that one? Why do we even bother having naloxone with buprenorphine in a sublingual film? So the purpose of naloxone in the suboxone is as a safety mechanism and as an aid against diversion. And by that, I mean to ensure that the suboxone is taken as it's intended to be. So as you mentioned, Fergal, when used sublingually, suboxone equals buprenorphine. However, when it is not taken sublingually, i.e. injected, that's when the naloxone becomes effective and then will 
either trigger uh, a precipitated withdrawal or basically block the mu receptor. So it is a mechanism to ensure that the medication is taken as it's intended to be taken. So Fergal, Suboxone's been around for a lot longer than the long-acting injectable buprenorphine that we talked about in many of the previous episodes of Cracking Addiction. How does Suboxone compare to Buvidal and Sublocade in terms of its pharmacokinetics and in terms of getting to peak plasma levels and maintaining a baseline level of buprenorphine in the system? So it's really important to understand that buprenorphine acts quickly compared to the long-acting injectable buprenorphine products. So from sublingual absorption, buprenorphine's time-to-peak effect is about an hour. It can be, you know, one to four hours. And compare that with uh, Buvidal Weekly, which has a time-to-peak effect of 24 hours, Sublocade, which is a time-to-peak effect of 24 hours, and... Um, Buvidal monthly, which has a time-to-peak effect of six hours. Now, the question then is, well, why, if, if sublingual absorption of buprenorphine is very rapid, why does it take up to four hours to have a peak effect? And the answer is, yes, it might access the systemic circulation within minutes. But to actually exert its effect, it's actually got to cross the blood-brain barrier. So that's the time delay. So we've got the um, the effect of the absorption plus the time to enter into the blood, to cross the blood-brain barrier to then have its full effect. So it acts much more quickly. But the corollary of that is that it also lasts much more, uh, much less. So, you know, you expect Suboxone to last about 24 hours. And it's got a typical uh, peak and then a, a trough. And we know that the peak for dosing of 24 to 32 milligrams, we know that the peak can actually hit maybe 9, 10 uh, nanograms per mil. But we also know that the trough can actually dip to less than 1 nanogram per mil in certain individuals. So it gives you a pattern of very high peaks and very low troughs, which is why throughout a 24-hour cycle, it is possible for people to experience symptoms of discomfort nigh on withdrawal. So compare that with long-acting injectable buprenorphine, where you, you have a much more smooth peak and trough uh, lasting weeks in the case of monthly buvidal and sublocate and lasting multiple days in the case of weekly buvidal. Absolutely. And a lot of the time when we were talking about long-acting injectable buprenorphine in the previous episodes, we were talking about time to steady state and for Buvidal Weekly, we were saying after the fourth weekly injection, that's when we would estimate you'd get yeah. a steady state. And for Buvidal Monthly and for Sublocade, we were saying after the fourth monthly injection would yeah. roughly be when we could expect to get into steady state. For sublingual yeah. buprenorphine or Suboxone, how long would it take us to get to steady state on average? Well, theoretically, any, any drug uh, reaches steady state after five half-lives. So the half-life of Suboxone varies, or sorry, correction, the half-life of buprenorphine varies anything between 20 to 73 hours. So we're talking about anything between 100 to 350 hours, and I can't do the maths. I mean, how many days is that? That's probably a week to two weeks. But the, the key thing about uh buprenorphine dosing within suboxone is that we don't actually need to await steady state. 
because we know that we can dose very rapidly and get people very quickly uh, titrated to high concentrations of buprenorphine within three or four days. And that's because it's a partial agonist. And because it's a partial agonist, it's got less risk of respiratory depression. And therefore, we can, we can rapidly escalate doses uh, in, in the right context without running the risks uh, that we, we would expect with rapid titration of other opioid agonists, including methadone. That's very true. Buprenorphine does have a very good safety profile and does lend itself to, to rapid dose titration to ensure patients get to a, a appropriate dose quite quickly. Now, we have talked a lot about buprenorphine in previous episodes, but I think it's worthwhile, again, uh, talking about the metabolism of buprenorphine. Virgil, would you mind um, refreshing for our viewers and, and listeners uh, the, the metabolism of buprenorphine and how it's um, metabolized in the liver? Yeah. So if you forget about liver metabolism and you are asked, what enzyme in the liver metabolizes any drug? If you can't remember, then you say CYP3A4 and you have a 50% chance of getting it right. Half of all drugs are metabolized by CYP3A4. And it just so happens that buprenorphine is metabolized uh, by CYP3A4. And so uh, buprenorphine is metabolized to norbuprenorphine, uh, which is uh, doesn't have any analgesic effect, but it does contribute to the risks of uh, side effects. Uh, it's also then uh, processed by glucuronidation. So we have buprenorphine-3-glucuronide and we have norbuprenorphine-3-glucuronide. And these glucuronides uh, are then secreted into bile and therefore are fecally excreted. And so knowing that fundamentally buprenorphine is dependent on hepatic metabolism and liver and biliary excretion, allows us some comfort when we are thinking about dosing of buprenorphine in the context of renal impairment. Now, even in the context of hepatic impairment, even though these medi this medication is metabolized by the liver, in the situation of hepatic impairment is not necessarily a contraindication. It's merely a caution and one has to just uh, act a little bit more slowly. Excellent. Uh, that's, that's great information to know how, how Suboxone works. Another great property, I think, of Suboxone is the, the duration of action. And mm. for Suboxone, you can sometimes get an effect um, once we've reached steady state of up to, to 72 hours. So that does allow us a bit of flexibility with dosing as well. And you can do second daily or on occasion, third daily dosing. Yeah. Have you had much experience with the alternate day dosing regimens with Suboxone, Fergal? Not very much because you know it's it's not it's not used that often. It's it's useful if you've got to give someone daily pickup and they they can't get to the chemist every day. That would really be the only time I would consider it. But it's really important to understand that the top dose of buprenorphine in Suboxone is thirty two milligrams. Now, when you're doing double dosing. The reason why we can do double dosing is because A, it's got a half-life, that's a long half-life, and B, it's a partial agonist. So when we double dose a partial agonist, we don't have that immediate respiratory depression. So if you imagine if you double dose a dose of endone or double double dose a dose of oxycontin, you know, you'd be in big trouble. But because you're double dosing uh, buprenorphine, 
you're not actually expecting any worsening of uh, respiratory depression, etc., because it's a it's a partial agonist. So the combination of partial agonism and long half-life lend buprenorphine to the idea of double or triple dosing, subject to the fact that the maximum daily dose is 32 milligrams. So if you're, if you're double dosing someone who's normally on 10 milligrams a day, then the double dose would be 20 milligrams every second day. And the triple dose, in fact, would be 30 milligrams every third day. If you were doing someone, however, who was taking 12 milligrams a day, the double dose would be 24 milligrams, but the triple daily dose would be 32 milligrams. It would not be three times 12, which is 36. Why? Because we know that the maximum daily dose of buprenorphine is actually 32 milligrams. And yes, you can double or triple dose, but you still have to respect that daily maximum limit of 32 milligrams. And I guess it's it's really good to 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 know how buprenorphine works, how it has that ceiling effect. But also, as you mentioned, buprenorphine is a partial agonist at the mu opioid receptor and an antagonist at the kappa opioid receptor. Um, I know you've got quite a few acronyms about uh, mu effects and kappa effects, but could you expand on how buprenorphine acts on the mu and kappa receptors and what physiological effects we get when buprenorphine uh, works on these receptors? So if we go to mu first, so a useful mnemonic for mu agonism is SPEAR. So S for sedation, P, and that would include respiratory depression, P for pinpoint pupils, physiological dependence, E for emesis, uh, you know, nausea, vomiting, A for uh, analgesic effect, and R for retention of urine and retention of feces, i.e. constipation. But there are other, there are other longer term consequences of mu agonism, which include endocrine dysfunction. So hypothalamic pituitary gonadal uh, axis dysfunction leading to osteoporosis, reduced muscle mass, infertility, reduced testicular function. And, um, uh, also we have this concept of opioid induced hyperalgesia, whereby actually escalating doses of full agonist opioids increase or contribute to a worsening of pain. Now, the effects of buprenorphine on the mu receptor and, and, and on these uh, side effects that I've uh, just spoken about are less because it's only a partial agonist. Now, buprenorphine has its own uh, set of side effects, so it can cause a wired feeling. It can be quite activating in some patients. It can give people a clear head, which depending on the context, can either be a good thing or a bad thing. So for instance, if you're a brain surgeon and you happen to develop an opioid use disorder, going on to buprenorphine would be a good thing because it, it allows you mental clarity. If you're suffering from a lot of trauma, for instance, and you're dependent on anxiolytics to get through the day, well, buprenorphine might not be the, uh, the right choice for you because of that mental clarity. Buprenorphine also causes sweating, like, like all opioids have the, the ability to cause sweating. Sweating, it can cause headache, it can cause insomnia, it can cause nausea, and it can cause constipation. So those are the, the mu effects. Now, if we move to the kappa effects, we know that kappa, we know that kappa agonism causes analgesic effect, uh, it can cause a diuretic effect, and it can cause dysphoria. So, the, you know, actually opioid use disorder, by virtue of its kappa agonism, can actually cause dysphoria as well as the euphoria associated with mu. But buprenorphine, because it is a kappa antagonist, 
can release people from that dysphoria. Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, you treat depressed patients with buprenorphine, but it, um, we do know that if you start someone on uh, buprenorphine and they've got depression, there is the potential for some kind of amelioration of symptoms. That's a great summary of the mu and kappa effects, Fergal. And I guess some of the other opioid uh, side effects that we should also mention are, are potentially the cardiovascular effects, such as the impairment of some baroreceptor reflexes, can, which can cause postural hypertension. You've already touched on the endocrine effects um, uh, previously, talking about uh, testicular atrophy, infertility, and osteoporosis that can that can occur, and also uh, potential risks of drug-induced hepatitis, uh, sphincter of body spasm, and and xerostomia, and and effects on teeth and dental hygiene as well. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that a lot of people will say, oh, I don't want to go on methadone, for instance, uh, because it rots your teeth. Well, it used to be that the methadone was formulated with sugar, and so it really did rot your teeth. But then uh, methadone is now formulated with uh, clear with, with water, but it still rots your teeth sometimes. And the answer is that it's because all opioids, and that includes buprenorphine, all opioids reduce saliva production. Now, buprenorphine less so, but still it does. And so this xerostomia predisposes people to poor dentition. Now, having poor dentition is not a reason to avoid opioid substitution therapy if it's decided that it's the appropriate way to go. Really, it's just an indication for the need for dental care. So I don't believe that bad teeth is a reason not to go on opioid substitution therapy. Absolutely. And I guess in the episode of, of Cracking Addiction, Today, we've covered a lot on Suboxone, and Suboxone is such a big topic that we will have to break this up into another episode as well. But in the episode today, we've talked about the components of Suboxone, the pharmacokinetics of Suboxone, and the effects of buprenorphine on the kappa and mu receptors, and gone into quite some detail about the excretion and metabolism of Suboxone. So we've packed a lot of information into one episode and please join us on the next episode of Cracking Addiction where we continue our breakdown of Suboxone because there's a lot to cover. So thanks for your company on the episode today and bye for now. Mm -hmm.